Hello, uh, my name is Andrew Ledbetter, and I am an adult Sunday school teacher here at First Baptist Church of Keller, and I'm honored to be back with you here today again looking at the book of Proverbs. I love this book. I mean, I love every book in God's Word that He has graciously given to us. But as I think about the book of Proverbs, I love the practical wisdom that is in it. And of course, wisdom is the major theme of the book. Solomon is, uh, well, most of the book is written by Solomon, and he's writing to teach his son to follow God's wisdom, to appeal to him about the value of wisdom, to appeal for him to love wisdom. And as we think about the chapter we're looking at today, this, this chapter in particular has a special place in my heart because a few of the verses in the chapter were the very first verses I ever memorized as a kid. And that is in Proverbs 3, so you can start turning there in your copy of God's Word. Uh, but verses 5 through 6 were the ones I memorized. Uh, and, you know, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. And I'm grateful those are the first verses I had the opportunity to memorize as a kid uh, because there's so much wisdom and truth in them. We have a choice as we go through life. We can trust in the Lord, we can obey Him, we can read His Word and do what it says, or we can go our own way and lean on our own understanding. And as the book of Proverbs tells us, if we do that, if we lean on our own understanding, we are going to encounter trouble. Okay, so today we're not going to look at those verses, as great as those verses are. Instead, we're going to look at uh, some verses in the second half of the chapter. And as we look at this, it struck me how similar some of the themes are here to what I talked about last time we were together, and that was out of Romans 13. And we talked about the two greatest commandments, at least what Jesus said are the two greatest commandments. So if he said it, that's what they are. And that's to love the Lord and also to love our neighbors as ourselves. Uh, so today, I think that theme very much fits here as well. So as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, wow, is this something God's really trying to tell me, this, this message here about loving God and loving others? Uh, but I guess that uh, if those indeed are the two greatest commandments, as Jesus said they are, then we shouldn't be surprised to find that those themes echoed again and again throughout the scriptures. So I think that, you know, as we think about loving God and loving others, sometimes in our modern church culture, we pit those things against each other or we elevate loving others above loving God. We talk a lot about loving others and caring for others and how much we do that as a church. And we should do that as a church. We are commanded to do that. But if we exalt that above loving the Lord, then that's idolatry. People are important, but they're certainly not more important than the Lord. So that's why the first greatest commandment is the first greatest commandment. It's to love the Lord. And then the second is like it, to love our neighbor as ourself. And I want to suggest today, as we look at these verses, that one of the most important ways we love God is by loving others. So as we love the Lord, that love overflows to others within our sphere of influence. In other words, our neighbors. So let's take a look at Proverbs 3, verses 25 through 32. Let me read those for us here. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, Go and come again, tomorrow I will give it, when you have it with you. Do not plan evil against your neighbor, who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason, when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence, and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. Let me pray for us as we consider these verses. 
Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for graciously giving us, giving it to us. And I thank you for teaching us how to live. I thank you for giving us this wisdom in the book of Proverbs. Help us to learn about loving you and how to love our neighbors for your glory. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the theme uh, words, perhaps, in these verses is do not. Not donut. That would be what we could do if we were face-to-face having a Sunday school session here. Typically, there's donuts in the back. You can go and get those. No, not donut, but do not. We're told in these verses several things that we should not do. We're commanded not to do these things. And the very first do not is in verse 25 and then continuing into verse 26. And we're told, do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. Now, this do not, you might have noticed this as we were reading the verses, it's a different do not than the other do nots that come later on. The do nots after this talk about uh, our attitude and our actions toward our neighbors, but this do not addresses the temptation to fear, to be afraid of negative things that we might experience, particularly the ruin of the wicked. So, what is the ruin of the wicked? Well, the book of Proverbs says a lot about choices and decisions we make and warns us against decisions that might cause us harm. And certainly we see that happen to those who make decisions that are contrary to God's word. I'm sure all of us can think back at a time when we did something that was contrary to what God says in his word and we reaped negative consequences because of that. So obviously, if we do what the Lord commands us to do, we don't have to be fearful of the negative consequences of those sins that we aren't doing. So I think that certainly is in view here. But I think that, you know, we also need to think more, more generally about what the ruin of the wicked is. And that is the reality that, I don't want to be flippant about this, but all of us do die and we do, after death, face judgment. Scripture is very clear about that. So the great ruin for the wicked is not anything that might happen this life, whatever those consequences might be, but rather it's the, the real possibility that if we do not come and trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, then we will spend eternity separated from God in hell. That ruin of the wicked uh, is certainly something that uh, we would all like to avoid. And if we are in Christ, we do not need to be afraid of that ruin. So... Um, as I think about COVID, this is something that's come to mind. I think one of the lessons that perhaps our society needs to reckon with coming out of COVID is that life this side of eternity is not forever. All of us do die once and then after that face judgment. But if we're in Christ, we don't need to fear that. As 1 Corinthians 15 says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So none of us are righteous. We are sinners, both by nature and by choice. But if we have come and if we have put our faith in the Lord, we have come and accepted Jesus as our Lord. We have confessed our sins. We have put our faith in him. We trust in his work on the cross, that he paid the price for our sins on the cross. And we believe that God raised him from the dead then we are saved and we have not our own righteousness, but the righteousness that comes from God. And we don't need to fear that rune of the wicked. So I think that warning here is certainly pertinent for us that if we are in Christ, if the Lord is our confidence, then he will keep us safe on that day of judgment because we'll be judged not according to our works, but rather in accordance with what Jesus has done in his sacrifice for our sins. But why begin this section focusing on that fear, on that attitude toward the Lord? 
when we then go on and talk about our neighbor? Well, I think there's a connection here, and I think that connection might be that oftentimes that fear, that disobedience to the Lord, that's a seed that can lead us to treat our neighbors in ways that are poor, in ways that are bad. And as I thought about this, James 4 came to mind. So James, I kind of think of as sort of the New Testament's version of Proverbs in some some ways. Uh, Different books, certainly, but both books contain a lot of practical wisdom that we can easily apply in our walk with the Lord. And James 4 begins by telling us, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? So if we are not at peace with God, if we have enmity between us and God, we're going to have a selfish attitude toward life, and that is going to play out in the ways that we interact with others. Okay, So instead of that, if we are in Christ, if we know that we are loved by God and we love him, then that love is going to overflow in how we treat our neighbor. So let's look at the do-nots in the rest of these verses that might inform, that do inform and should inform how we do that. So the next do-not is in verse 27. And that addresses action versus inaction. So verse 27 tells us, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. So the idea here may have concerned wages from an employer. So in that day, as in this day, uh, there were people that depended on their paycheck for the necessities of life. They lived paycheck to paycheck and needed that pay in order to be able to provide food and shelter and such for themselves and for others. So for an employer to withhold those wages that that worker deserves was and is a very wicked thing to do. So instead, you should give that good to those to whom it is due. I think that the principle applies more generally, though. And preparing this, I thought of a friend who is also a professor at TCU where I work. And he has a verse in his signature line from later in Proverbs. It's from Proverbs 31. And it says, Open your mouth for the mute, For the rights of all who are destitute, open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. That's from verses 8 through 9 of Proverbs 31. And certainly, if we see an injustice and we have the power to address that injustice in some way, that is something that we should do. I also think, again, of our, again, it's interesting, these connections, our last time together in Romans 13, which talks about letting no debt remain outstanding except our continuing debt to love one another. So we should keep short accounts with others. We should give them what they are due, as it says in James 4. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So we must do those things. Do the, We must not withhold that good from those to whom it is due. Verse 28 in the next do not goes on and, and addresses the manner in which we do that. And that is we do it in a timely manner. So verse 28 tells us, don't say to your neighbor, go and come again, tomorrow I'll give it, when you have it with you. That, that kind of brings a funny image to my mind of a neighbor saying that to somebody else. But I confess to you that I, I had an opportunity to apply that this morning, and I was glad that I was teaching this here today because it led me to, in fact, do the thing that otherwise I was tempted to neglect doing. I was in our master bathroom, and I was washing my hands, which you know we're all doing all the time now here in the age of COVID. And I noticed that I had enough soap for myself, but the soap dispenser was going to be pretty much empty after that. And I had some other things I wanted to get to, and I was tempted just to leave that there, come back and do it later, 
Maybe my wife will see it and do it. But then I remembered what I was teaching about here later today and thought, ah, no, I need to do this. This is something I need to do now. I have it now. I can go and get the soap refill and refill the soap dispenser. So I did go ahead and do that. And I think sometimes in the small things in life, that can be where we struggle to obey the Lord and struggle to love others. And I think this verse addresses that for us. Dare I say that perhaps this applies to things like text, mes- text messages and emails that we owe to other people. Do we just let those sit or do we respond to those in a timely manner? Uh, what other things do we owe to our neighbors? So that could be, you know, if we think kind of broadly in scripture, our neighbors, those that are in our sphere of influence, that could be a spouse or family member, a church member, uh, somebody that lives near us, a coworker. This verse encourages us when we have the ability to bless those other people, to love those people, we should do that quickly rather than slowly. In my devotions, I just was, I've been reading out of the book of Genesis. And just today, I read the story about Joseph when he told the, dream, the dreams, when he was able to interpret the dreams of the cupbearer and the baker. And uh, the cupbearer, he told the cupbearer, hey, you're going to be restored to your former position. And when you are, remember me before Pharaoh. Help me get out of prison, he was basically saying. Well, if you remember that story, the cupbearer was indeed restored to his position as the Lord enabled Joseph to foretell. But the cupbearer then went and forgot about Joseph. He was happy about that and just didn't, didn't pay attention to Joseph until two years later, two whole years, when Pharaoh had a dream that needed interpreting. Then he remembered, oh yeah, there's this guy Joseph there that can interpret dreams. So he was not timely in that. So in contrast, let us as believers be timely in showing love to others as we have the opportunity to do that. So the next do not uh, in verse 29 addresses intentions or our plans. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Now you might say, who would do that? Who would go sit in their living room and think, ooh, how can I engage in evil schemes against my neighbor? Well, there are people that do this. In fact, we see some examples in scripture of those that do this. So in the book of 1 Kings, we're told the story of wicked King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. They wanted the vineyard that belonged to somebody named Naboth. Naboth wouldn't sell them the vineyard, so they conspired to murder him, and then they took the vineyard. That's obviously a very wicked thing. They plotted evil against him. We might think, oh yeah, that's wicked King Ahab and Jezebel. They're they're bad people. But I'm also reminded that King David, who we think of as, you know, he was a very righteous man. He walked closely with the Lord for much of his life. But in the most, the darkest chapter of his life, he conspired to murder his friend Uriah so that he could uh, take his wife, uh, Bathsheba, with whom he had committed adultery. So plotting evil against a neighbor, that's something we see in scripture. And surely that happens today as well. But I'm grateful that, at least to my knowledge, that does not characterize most of the neighbors I've had in my life. In fact, in thinking about the opposite of this, how do you plan good for your neighbors? I thought of one of my neighbors who, when COVID hit, uh, what she decided to do is she took her garage and she made it a mask factory, basically. I'm not sure who asked her to do this or if she just thought of this on her own initiative. We certainly didn't ask her for a mask, but she just said, oh yeah, I'm making you guys masks, so here you go. And uh, that is still the mask that I use here today when I have occasion to, uh, to use a mask here in the midst of the COVID crisis. So she clearly saw a need, and then she planned out of her resources to go and to meet that need and to serve others. And I'm grateful for her as a neighbor. So engaging in this effort, thinking through how can I be a blessing to those around me? How can I show them love rather than evil? 
that is, I think, a good application of this verse. Hebrews 10 uh, mentions this in the context of the family of, of Christ. Hebrews 10 tells us in verse 24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. So certainly we should do that within the family of God. And I'd also point out that I think this verse, it clearly does direct us toward those that we live near. So yes, who is our neighbor? Well, our neighbor is anybody in our sphere of influence. But this verse seems to use it in a more narrow sense because it refers to our neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. That's pretty clear. It's somebody who lives nearby you. So what can you do to be salt and light for Christ and to love others uh, uh, regarding those who live near you. This verse calls us to think about that and to plan for that. So the next do not is in verse 30, and that concerns honesty. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Well, if there's no reason, if he's done you no harm, then probably what you're bringing up is something that is false or deceptive or exaggerated in some way. Yeah, surely you know that people are like this. There are some people that just thrive on drama. They like to take situations and distort them and exaggerate them, often to put them at the center of attention, perhaps to get something from somebody else. I also, again, thought of my readings in Genesis, and I thought about the story of Joseph. The reason he was in prison is because Potiphar's wife lied about him. She bore false testimony against him. You probably know the story. She wanted to commit immorality with Joseph, and he didn't want to. So when he refused, she lied, and Potiphar had him thrown into prison. So that certainly would be contending with somebody for no good reason that is done that did her no harm. Okay, so the opposite of this is honesty. It's honesty. It's addressing situations as they are. And sometimes we do need to address situations. We need to, there is a problem, and we need to try to solve that. But as our pastor has been talking about Daniel as he did that, we see Daniel do that not in a way that creates drama, not in a way that tries to stir the pot unnecessarily. Instead, he addresses situations uh, with respect, with, with frankness, with honesty, but also with respect toward those he's communicating with. So if we're bringing an accusation, it should be done with honesty and with a heart to solve the problem, not to create drama. So rather than this drama, rather than false accusations, we should seek honesty and peace. So our last do not here, it's really kind of a double do not, is in verses 31 through 32. And it kind of takes a dark turn here, it does. It talks about a man of violence, a man who is devious and an abomination to the Lord. And that might strike you, whoa, that sounds like a more serious problem than the preceding verses here. Yeah, there's certainly negative things we've been talking about in these verses, things we should avoid doing to our neighbors. But violence, devious, abomination, that sounds pretty bad. Why, why do we take this kind of dark turn here? The other verses seem more mild. Well, in thinking about this, I thought about Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount and how, well, hatred is linked to murder and lust is linked to adultery. So those seeds of selfishness, those seeds of negative heart attitudes can grow up into great violence and great harm against our neighbors, against those who are around us. So we should root that out. If we detect that in our heart, we should bring that before the Lord and say, Lord, change my heart. Lead me away from these negative paths that I might be tempted to imitate. And instead, I want to be in your confidence. So the picture here in verse 32 is a great one. The upright are in his confidence. Uh, we know that Jesus has called us friends. We have access 
We have access to the Lord through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So we can be in his confidence. We can read his word. Certainly by reading God's word, he is bringing us into his confidence. He has given us his word so we can understand who he is and how it is that he wants us to live. So let us avoid those negative heart attitudes. Let us avoid those temptations and instead walk closely with the Lord. So these verses here, they tell us about not fearing and trusting in the Lord. And out of that lack of fear, out of that trust in the Lord, out of that close walk with him, should and must flow love for our neighbors, love for others. And in fact, that is a very important way that we love the Lord is by showing that love for others, for our neighbors and for those in our sphere of influence. So let me pray that God would give us the grace and strength to do that. Father, I thank you so much for these verses. I thank you for teaching us how to live. I thank you for your great love for us. I thank you that in Christ, you give us an ability to love our neighbors that is something we can never do on our own. So Lord, I pray that you reveal to me and also to those who are listening where we may be falling short. Are there any of these things that we're told not to do here that we're in fact doing? Lord, if we are, I pray that you'd be gracious to show us that, to rebuke that, and help us to repent that we might love you, that we might not fear uh, the ruin of the wicked, but instead that your love might flow through us to love others and to bless them. Of course, we ask all this, uh, not for our own sake, but ultimately for your sake and for your glory. I pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.